Train and Talks and Tales acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Turrbal and Nugara people of Mianjin. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Trainer Talks and Tales love having an array of guests with a variety of opinions. However, the views of the individuals do not necessarily reflect the perspectives of the host facilities. Welcome to another episode of Trainer Talks and Tales. You're joined, as always, by your hosts, Daisy and Tess. Hey, Daisy. Now, today we are so excited to be joined by our very first guest. We're going to be talking about a species that is very close to my heart, and that is little blue penguins. But before we get into that, Tess, how was your week? Any recommendations? Anything exciting happening soon? I've had a really good week so far. After months of training, tomorrow we're going to be free flying one of our raptors, a black kite, for the first time. That is exciting. I'm hoping that I can hear about it next week on the podcast. Yes, hopefully it will go well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How was your week, Daisy? Any exciting things? Any recommendations? I had a great week. We are now out of school holidays here in Queensland, so it's been a little bit quieter at work. But I do definitely have a recommendation. I actually have a podcast recommendation. Uh, it's called the Tech Talk Podcast. It's from Natural Encounters with Ari and Chris. And the episode is actually called As Always, It Depends. And it's kind of a debrief on a couple of the 10 laws of shaping that you may or may not have read about in the book Don't Shoot the Dog by Karen Pryor. It's a really interesting episode. They just debrief a little bit on those laws, um, talk about their experiences with that too, and definitely really good information to take on. Mm, Sounds good. I feel like I want to have a listen. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, let's get into the episode. A fellow colleague of Daisy's, Jess Hart, is going to join us on the episode and talk all things little blue penguins and all about the husbandry training program the Sea Life team have developed. Daisy and Jess presented this program at a recent ASZK conference. We mentioned this conference last week. And I'm really excited for this, Daisy. I bet you are too. Let's get into it. Hi, Jess. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What an honor to be on this uh, podcast. I'm really, really excited. Well, we are so excited to have you here. And it's really nice to have our very first guest. And it makes it a little bit easier because it is a friendly face. And it's nice to have someone that we do already know a little bit. And of course, Daisy, you work with Jess. So it makes it a bit easier for us uh, as we're still kind of new to this podcasting (laughs) thing. But we're really excited to have you on the show. And all episodes, we do hope to break the ice a little bit by getting to know our guests a little bit more. So I hope you don't mind. We're going to go straight into it and ask you five questions that We want you to just answer really quickly without even thinking. Is that okay if we just get straight into that? Okay, let's do it. All right, (laughs) let's do it. And they're not necessarily animal-related either. It's just to break the ice a little bit and just get you thinking. All right, here we go. Beach or mountains? Beach. Favourite animal? Seal. (laughs) Cats or dogs? Dogs. Tea or coffee? Coffee. So, so much coffee. (laughs) Uh, Would you rather be able to fly or be able to breathe underwater? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I reckon breathe underwater, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I had a feeling you would say that. (laughs) That was some pretty good answers, Jess. You're good. Um, Yeah, I felt like I was on a game show and I was just trying to answer them really quickly. I don't know what the prize is going to (laughs) be. The prize is... There is no prize. No, there is no prize. I can even think of one. Um, okay, so I was hoping for everyone who might not know who you are, you can maybe just give a short introduction of your job role, um, a little bit about you and how you got to be where you are today. 
Yeah, 100%. So my name is Jess Hart. Uh, I actually grew up on a sailing boat and we traveled the East Coast of Australia on the boat. And that's where I found my really um, amazing love of the ocean. And then I went to uni, I went out country for the uni, and I was really interested in animals and animal behavior. There wasn't really many courses that were just about animal behavior, though. Uh, So what I studied was wildlife biology, and then it was a dual degree in animal behavior, welfare and control. And after that, I went and traveled a little bit, went over, did some ski season. And then I came back to Mooloolaba on the Sunshine Coast. And that was my home base. And that is where I started working at a lovely aquarium. At the time, (laughs) it was called Underwater World. (laughs) I thought I was only going to be there for uh, maybe six months or so before I went traveling again. And guess what? 15 years later, and I'm still at that aquarium. (laughs) And today it's called Sea Life Sunshine Coast. And the reason I stuck around is I absolutely love my job. So I started off at front desk, uh, worked through education, um, taking tour groups around. I did a little bit of everything, but I was also volunteering at the mammal department. And that department looked after a group of seals and also some really cheeky little Asian small clawed otters. And it was while I was volunteering that I decided that this was what I wanted to do. I was so interested in the animals and how they learnt. And over time, I was really persistent. I finally got a job. And today I'm actually taking, I've taken on the acting mammals manager role. So that is me. And now I look after not only seals, but a group of really cute little blue penguins and the 10 staff that take care of them. Wow, that's incredible. That's an amazing journey. I love that you just intended to just pass by, have a little uh, six months stint, and then you just ended up just loving it and launching into sea life. That's incredible. That's yeah, awesome. absolutely. I've been able to do a lot there um, and I still learn something new every single day. That's what we like to hear. Absolutely. How good. You mentioned at the end there that you worked with penguins and that actually leads us to our topic for today. Uh, we're going to be talking about little blue penguins and you guys are the experts. We'd love to hear a little bit more about that. So last month we all actually attended the ASZK conference at SeaWorld and we actually had the pleasure of experiencing so many great presentations and seeing a lot of experts in the field a lot of passionate keepers and a couple of those keepers or trainers actually happen to be yourselves so (laughs) you guys did a wonderful presentation on little blue blue penguins I really really enjoyed it and he actually won best presentation is that correct I don't know about you Jess but I'm still like pinching myself that that came out of that I remember sitting next to Jess and being like, I think they said our name. I think we need to stand up. Like, this is crazy. It was just awesome. I I might be a bit biased, but it really was my favorite presentation of the conference. I just think that your passion, your enthusiasm was just dripping. Like, I could just see how involved you were and how passionate you were about this training. And it was was really good. It was a great presentation. So oh, thank you. It was heaps of fun and it was so fun presenting with Daisy as well. We put a lot of effort into it, yeah. um, but definitely the stars were the penguins because they are just incredible little learners. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, we're hoping that you guys could tell us a little bit more about that. Is that okay if you tell us a little bit about what the training was, what was involved, and maybe a little bit of uh, introduction to the colony and that kind of thing? 
Yeah, sure. So uh, we do house 16 little penguins and we got them about three years ago now. They joined us from various facilities around Australia. We also have a very special little penguin called Ash, who's a rescue. And last year, two of our penguins um, had laid eggs. So we've got a couple of chicks that are now adults now, which is really, really cool. And these penguins live in a really cool habitat. So it used to be an old barramundi and crocodile exhibit. So it's a really rich environment for them. And not only do they live with penguins, but they also live with lots of different fish and brown-banded bamboo shark as well. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. And I was just interested, why did you feel the need to create this husbandry training program? Yeah, so when we got the penguins, we did a fair bit of research and tried to figure out what were some common husbandry behaviours that people were training little blues, and there didn't seem to be a lot of information out there. Um, Our little blues, we really wanted to provide them with mental stimulation because they're in human care, so training can provide that, but we wanted to empower them to be active participants in their own healthcare. So we wanted to try and give them as much choice and control in their environment uh, as we could. So that was our driving force. And we also just wanted to know, you know, what they could learn and, you know, what what we could get uh, behaviourally from these penguins. And they blew us out of the water. Like what they can learn was absolutely incredible. They can learn anything that any other species can. That's awesome. That's amazing. I love that. So what were the behaviours trained within the program? So we trained some foundation behaviours. So we trained things that um, like targeting and stationing. We also put a lot of effort into our voluntary weight and potoscope training, um, crate training as well. And Daisy in particular spent a lot of time doing voluntary tactiles and pickup training, which was really quite advanced for the species because they're um, pretty flighty. So they can be a little uh, unsure about that sort of um, tactile. But we did lots and lots of work over two years. And yeah, we got really, really far, which was cool to see. Yeah, I think especially with the tactile, it was so important to start with like really small approximations and then gradually be able to work on that until we were able to successfully pick up all of the penguins, which was fantastic. Um, And therefore we were able to do really great body condition checks on the blues. We could check their eyes, their beak, their feet um, as well, which which was fantastic as well. So big success, I think. And for our listeners that don't know, what is a potoscope? (laughs) that's a good question oh my gosh I love the potoscope okay so let me tell you about a potoscope uh so let me well first of all um initially when we got the penguins we didn't have a potoscope built so we needed to get weights of them and we wanted to get weights off them every single week um because it's really important that they're at a good weight you know, they are a seabird, so we want to make sure they're not too heavy because they do spend time on the land. Um, and these penguins are also part of interactive programs. So they're being fed by guests. So we wanted to make sure they're not getting overweight. So we were weighing them on a little set of scales. And what that involved was putting the scales in front of the trainer and basically opportunistically trying to get weights off the penguins. And when you've got 16 penguins trying all to stand on the same scales, <laughs> it gets a little bit messy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we did is we built a potoscope and it was basically based off a design from down at Melbourne Zoo. It's basically like a little penguin run uh, made out of perspex. Um, It's got a little ramp and it goes into a water section and the penguins go up the ramp. They walk through the water and that like washes off their sandy, sandy feet. And then over a little towel section to dry their feet up onto the scales. So that way we can read a weight. Uh, And then the, the last section is clear perspex. And we use an iPhone, usually Daisy's iPhone, uh, (laughs) and we pop that underneath that section and that can just 
their feet as they're moving over it. And the reason for filming their feet is check them for foot health. So making sure that they don't have any unusual lumps or bumps or the starts of um, a foot condition called bumblefoot. And then we've got the ramp up off the end. So it's a really, really great way to kind of um, get the weighing and also the feet check uh, in a really controlled manner. Yeah, and Jess did a fantastic job at making sure that we ensured our antecedents were correct in placing it against the wall. So we encouraged the little blues to go through rather than around, which then in turn enabled them to have that choice to go through um, the polyscope itself. Yeah, awesome. I remember you guys saying uh, during your presentation that there was a little bit of a challenge at one stage because so many were keen to just get on and get involved. Like once they knew what was going on, they're like, yeah, let's go. Well, what did you guys end up doing to limit the amount of penguins that were on the potoscope at one time? Yeah, uh, great question. So we did have challenges and this is the challenge you face when you're working with any group of animals. Um, and one of those challenges was as soon as the penguins figured out that there was some delicious fish that they got for going on the potoscope. That was a highly reinforcing area, particularly the competitive penguins. So that's all they wanted to do. They were just standing on the potoscope or they were looping through it. Um, so we've got little tiny gates that we can use. So we can let one penguin through and then we close the gate behind them. We get the weight off them, we do the foot check and then they exit that way. Then we also had a look at the learning environment and we decided we actually needed sort of two sort of areas for the training. So we have um, trainers at the main group. So they're feeding the main penguins and then we've got trainers at the potoscope area. Then we got really strict on criteria. So we set up the learning environment. So we got our potoscope, we put it in position, uh, we'd ring our bell, which is the start of session. And then what we'd ask the penguins to do is do one loop of the potoscope They'd receive reinforcement on the podoscope and then they could head back to the main group and that's where they'd get the rest of their fish. And that worked really, really well and it's super successful. I mean, the girls did a weigh session last week and they got, I'm pretty sure, like 16 of yeah. the birds. So yeah. 16, it works. 16. It's really yeah. effective. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. It's it's really effective of getting the weights. If we don't get all the weights in the one day, that's okay. We can just um, do the same thing the next day and re-weigh. Yeah, I think the only time we really don't see penguins um, participate as if it's during molting season or breeding season if they're sat on eggs um, or just don't have a food drive due to that molt season but aside from that I'd say we almost get the whole colony every week which is really cool that's impressive you yeah. would think that there would be a couple individuals that wouldn't be keen but yeah. that's, that's amazing <laughs> and I guess with that like we did definitely in the start we had some of the penguins um, that were a little bit uh, on, unsure of the podoscope. And that's when we had to think about, okay, well, what are some other drives? What else is reinforcing? And with this, with these penguins, going in with a buddy was reinforcing. So we'd let those penguins that were a little bit shy head in with a buddy and then we'd find the moment to reinforce them for being on the potoscope. And they learnt pretty quickly the potoscope was just the best place in the world and they wanted to go up there. Yeah, that's awesome. Now you spoke a little bit about obviously one of the challenges. I, I don't know about you, but I think one of the challenges that we both spoke about was the communication with the team and the different sort of levels that the penguins were at with the different particular parts of the training program. Did you want to maybe talk a little bit about how we um, worked out our communication to ensure that it was effective across our entire training team? Yeah, I mean, the, the communication is absolutely key with any training program. Um, particularly when you're training a group of animals. 
so initially we kept it to a pretty small group of experienced trainers that were teaching the penguins these new behaviors. And then once those behaviors were taught or established, then we started to upskill our newer trainers. Uh, before any training session, so before we even walked into the habitat, we'd have a pre-training meeting and we'd give everyone roles and we'd have a chat about, all right, what are our goals for the session? We'd have a look at our training whiteboard, which shows what Penguin has learnt what and what they're up to. Um, we'd go in, we'd do the session, we'd often film it as well. And after the session, we'd have a debrief. And filming sessions is amazing because then you can look back and you can see all the things that maybe you missed and you can have a chat about well, what can we do differently next time or what we can we do to improve. Um, we also keep really detailed records. So we actually record how many fish each penguin eats uh, every single day and what session. And we keep an eye on motivation. So we keep an eye on, oh, that penguin seems to be highly motivated, really hungry in the morning um, or really hungry in the afternoon. And we try and do new learning in the time we see the most motivation. So particularly if something like tactiles, um, we might be like, okay, well, Biggie is really hungry in the afternoon. That's the time that we're going to do that sort of new learning. Yeah, definitely. And with that um, reinforcing, do you want to maybe touch on what we found the penguins reinforcers were and if it was just a primary option or there was a secondary option for our little blues as well and whether we utilised a bridge during our training sessions or not? Yeah, for sure. So we did um, condition a verbal bridge. So we use the word good with the little penguins. And we basically use that bridge because we want to pinpoint the behavior that we want to see repeated in the future. And a bridge, it literally bridges the time gap between the behavior you want to see again and then when they're going to receive the reinforcement. So whenever you can deliver the reinforcement. And it's really good for shaping behaviors. So we did condition them with um, a verbal bridge. Uh, some other facilities use clickers and whistles, but we kind of wanted our hands and everything free because yeah. wanted our hands free because we use a lot of our hands yeah. for chewing <laughs> and feeding. And yeah. we didn't want whistles in our mouth because during a session, one of the key things that we're working on is communicating with other trainers that are in the session. Yeah. You know, in a potoscope session, we might have four trainers in there and we've all got different roles. So we need to be really good at uh, and clear at communication and that was so totally forgotten the rest of your question Daisy I got <laughs> stuck on bridges um yeah I was gonna say that was completely like played a huge role in making sure we had a successful session was having such good communication within the session as well and with time with us working together it just became so fluid between mm -hmm. all of us I think so that was great um but yeah the question was just based around primary reinforcers or whether we utilize secondary reinforcers with the penguins at all yeah, excellent question. So the only secondary that we conditioned uh, was the bridge, the bridging stimulus. Otherwise, um, after behaviour, we just focused on reinforcing behaviour with primary <laughs> reinforcer. Hi, Shadow. In the background. <laughs> Hi, Shadow. <laughs> so a primary reinforcer is something that the penguins naturally instinctively want and they naturally want fish. So we reinforce behaviour with our fish and we feed a variety of with kids, white bait and also a bit of squid they've definitely got their own preferences though so they seem to love pilchards and they're not so keen on white bait and squid so <laughs> the pilchards are really high value the white bait and squid are a little lower value um, but that's okay we can actually uh, use that and we can train them to eat those lower values like their broccoli with something delicious so 
For example, if Pebbles magically eats a squid, we're going to reinforce that with two or three pilchards straight away afterwards. Yeah, and we're really consistent. So if we see a behaviour we want them to do in the future, we feed them fish straight away for that. Yeah, and I'd say as well on top of that, that, you know, the penguins are eating between sort of 12 to 15 pilchards per day. So we also spoke about the option of cutting the fish in half, and that just allowed us double the opportunity to reinforce behaviour, possibly more heavily for certain parts of that behaviour as well. Mm -hmm. And the fish went a little bit further within that training. Yeah, and that's something that I hadn't seen done before, but it definitely worked. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, pretty well. Uh, And once again, like we could reinforce them eating a fishtail with then a whole fish afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Is there opportunity for more so? Like could you cut a pilchard three times or is that getting a bit too small? No, that's pushing it, I reckon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think they'd be raising eyebrows at us. Yeah. (laughs) We've pushed it with the half fish. Look how much you're getting. (laughs) Yeah, right. And um, so you've done a lot of stuff with tactile conditioning and obviously the potoscope, like that's amazing. The progression that you guys have made and just how far you've come, the fact that you're saying that 16 of your 16 uh, individuals are willing participants in the learning and the training is incredible. What's next for the little Blue Penguin program? Yeah, we've got lots of goals. Uh, I think <laughs> at the moment we've been focusing on in-water goals. So we really want to try and figure out how to get these penguins swimming as much as we can. And so that's things like, can we do group A to Bs? Like, can we get the whole group swimming from one side of the exhibit to the other? Because it's great exercise for them. Um, It's really exciting. And then can we get them diving more as well? So uh, some of the guys have done some great work with Ash, our rescue penguin. Um, She's really keen to follow a target pole. So a target pole is just a little stick. It's real fancy at Sea Life. Um, We've got a (laughs) stick and it's got a little ping pong ball on top. And basically we've taught the penguin to touch the ping pong ball with their beak. Now Ash is really keen for this training and learn. Um, So what the guys have been doing is slowly putting it under the wind force her for swimming under the water and targeting uh, that stick. So you know, I personally, I would love to see that go further and see if we can get other um, penguins diving down a little bit more. Uh, I think something really cool would be maybe some retrieval work and then just progressing our tactiles. So getting them really good at those exams um, so the vet can have a really good look at their feet and potentially even um, treat their feet if necessary, all in a really voluntarily, uh, voluntary and positive way. And do you think this will be quite similar to what you saw with the potoscope with the few hesitant individuals waiting to see who is more confident and following the rest of the colony? Is that something that you would expect with behaviours in the water once Ash is really confident swimming around and that kind of thing? Will more individuals probably follow suit? Yeah, I think with the um, like A to B from one side of the exhibit to the other, that them seeing one birds swimming over to us will probably stimulate some of the other birds to jump in and offer that behavior as well so we can definitely use those social um, drives uh, as well to our advantage and I think we also have to tackle that the water itself is slightly more reinforcing for some penguins compared to other penguins of course so initially we might be working on you know just encouraging those other penguins spend a little bit more time in the water and that could be through the training sessions that Jess has spoken about so lots of options that's amazing okay well the other thing that we wanted to address was we did actually get a couple of questions for you uh this week on our socials uh we were just gonna ask a couple of them if that's okay one of them was what is your favorite thing to train with the colony 
Uh, I think it was it was podoscope, but then also the crate training was really, really fun. Uh, so we have these little pet packs and um, we really thought about the training. So we kind of pulled off both ends of the pet pack. So it was just like an open crate and we just taught the penguins to loop through them just like they learn in podoscope. And I thought they might be a little bit hesitant, but they were just so keen for this learning. And I thought about it later and I realized, well, they love burrows and they love being in things. So, of course, they're going to love going into a little pet pack um, or little transport crate. And that was really cool because then we added back the doors and then we're reinforcing them at one end and kind of we're realizing, well, we want to reinforce them for waiting in the middle. So that's when we got really crafty and started cutting out the sides of the crate. So we've got like little feeding holes in the side. I think this was my favorite behavior though, because the penguins were just so keen to do this. In fact, they were so keen. We had to develop a really basic gating system to start separating them out because we would literally have them all trying to jam into the crate. Um, So that gating system was a piece of perspex uh, that I found in the garage. Please don't tell my husband. He hasn't noticed (laughs) this one yet. Um, And it's just a little piece of perspex. And all we used it to do is we put it between like two two boxes and we manually would just open and close it. So we'd let a penguin or two through, we'd do some training in the crate and then we'd um, cue them to go back to the main colony. And this worked well because they could see each other through the perspex because they're quite a social species. We didn't want to completely separate them. And they also had access to the water. In fact, they could run around us if they wanted to. So I think going through the learnings of the crate training um, was really fun and it was really fun for our team as well. It was a really good team building opportunity. Yeah, so definitely crate training. I feel like we're going to have to share that photo that we've got of pretty much 16 birds in one crate because <laughs> they wouldn't leave because it was so reinforcing for them. That's amazing. Most it's definitely. It's been really cool because since we've developed that behaviour, we've been able to create um, numerous penguins for their annual bloods as well, which has all been voluntary, so it's been really successful. So it's been it's led in the right direction that we wanted it to go. Yeah, definitely. It's been, yeah, really a really valuable behavior. Okay, so another question we got was, what is your favorite enrichment item with the penguins? Oh, okay. So there is a little game thing that you can get on your phone and cats would love it too. And it's got a <laughs> bug that runs over the screen. You guys might know what I'm too. talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you put that on your phone and you put it in the sand in front of a penguin, oh my goodness, they love it because they're trying to catch the bug that's on the screen. So I think that's one of my favorite um, ones. I, I love bubbles as well. That's also really, really fun. I think that's always cute for the penguins. Um, and anything in water that kind of gets them swimming. So I know the guys have been working at um, conditioning them with some enrichment as well to get them swimming. So in the water, some hoops and some objects, which is cool. Oh, and the mirror because they love looking at themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they really do, especially love the mirror. <laughs> and I guess I know we're not really allowed to have favourites, but who is your favourite penguin and why? <laughs> uh okay well I probably have I probably have two favorites one's definitely Ash so the little rescue yeah. penguin uh and I think she's a, a lot of people's favorites so she's pretty <laughs> special I mean she came in as a really really young bird she um has a dis- sort of disfigured feet she'd only partly gone through a molt so she looked a little scrappy um but then she came through she got really healthy she had a full molt and now she's absolutely beautiful 
and she's really curious. She's really smart and she loves to problem solve. So she's a fun penguin to work with from a training sense. Mm-hmm. I think I most respect Biggie though. Really? Because Biggie is our best nester. Yeah. So he's one of the big boys. You might be the um, only one in the team to say Biggie. Your favorite <laughs> I, I think so. I definitely respect, uh, respect Biggie. He builds the biggest nests. I've seen him steal nesting material from other birds numerous times. And not only does he have one girlfriend this year, he actually has three. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. He takes the meaning of monogamous and throws it in the bin <laughs> he definitely does <laughs> that's amazing i think my favorite has got to be ziggy is our oldest chick from last season um just being a part of his growth and his development and having that success with him and was a huge win for us as a team um and he's got such a fun personality like he is so inquisitive loves to wander really comes over to us spends a lot of time with the trainers um, is always involved in lots of things going on. So I think Ziggy is my favourite. He just <laughs> celebrated his first birthday. <laughs> and that's Biggie's son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emphasise on the Ziggy, not Biggie. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I feel like that was an incredible conversation, speaking about my favourite animals. <laughs> yeah. And thank you so much. Honestly, you speak so eloquently and you make it a lot easier for us too. So we we love your passion and your enthusiasm. It just, it it really shows and your experience is incredible. Thanks ladies. This was so much fun. Tess, what a great chat with Jess. It was so nice chatting with a colleague, especially about the hard work the team and I have put in recently with the Little Blues. They are absolute superstars. Yeah, definitely. A great conversation to have and a great first guess. If you have any more questions for Jess, you can find her on socials at Jess underscore dot underscore heart. And of course, our podcast at Trainer Talks and Tales. Okay, that's it for now. Bye. Thanks. Bye.